0: Welcome to the Learning Reinvented podcast brought to you by myself, James Polatilo, and the team at The Learning Effect. There are lots of learning podcasts out there so we wanted to do something slightly different. This week we're talking to someone who's taken the skills they learn in corporate learning and development and use these to focus on a very different challenge. I'm delighted to welcome Bettina Skovstad to the podcast. Thank you for joining us Bettina. Do you want to introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and the journey you're on?
1: Yeah, thanks James, thank you so much for having me and uh, well done on my surname, <laughs> it's not an easy one. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, um, my learning and development journey started um, quite late in life actually if you if you look at it, but actually when I look back it probably started a, a lot earlier really. Um but I guess my journey up until now, you know, I do hate the word journey, though. Um, I just really want to actually throw up a little bit. Um, and then I was thinking, actually, oh, what can I use instead? And I was talking about a path to a fulfilled life, but that's also quite yucky. So I'm just going to go with journey. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, well, I grew up in Denmark, therefore my uh, difficult surname. And uh, that was actually when I first started um, working in hospitality and service, and which sort of was the foundation of where I am today as well. I actually came to London to go to university. Um, I did an international tourism degree. Um, It's taken me a little while, I'd taken a bit of time out before I decided what to study at university. and um, I chose tourism because I didn't want to sit in an office for the rest of my life. That was really my... uh, and also just because I love travelling. You know, but um, straight after finishing my degree, I went straight into an office, (laughs) into um, doing some marketing, uh, project management, um, which um, was an incredible uh, learning curve for me, you know, just being in an office, also in the UK, in London, fast-paced. And uh, I learned an incredible amount of of things in the uh, nine years that I was there. Um, But after a while, I was like, okay, now I feel like, I'm not learning anything anymore and so I took a year out and uh, really reflected on um what I wanted to do I think it's really hard to decide you know what you want to do it's always really easy to see what you don't want but you know actually getting to what you want um was a yeah it took a whole year for me but I ended up doing a a CIPD um, um certificate and um then um was lucky enough for one of my old clients to phone me up and, um, yeah, invite me to do her maternity um, cover at uh, Intercontinental Hotels Group, which is also, um, you know, where I worked when we met each other, James. Um, And, um, yeah, that's where I sort of did some uh, leadership development work um, for general managers uh, of hotels around the world. And we did like a central uh, onboarding um, program for the GMs there. Um, And I spent um, seven years there. Um, And actually, then all of a sudden, I realized 17 years have gone by. I'm in corporate world sitting in an office. Uh, Is this my life? (laughs) Um, So actually, yeah, I uh, took the leap in 2018, sold my house, quit my job. And... um, moved to Tanzania, um, where I am now working as a self-employed hospitality, um, training, consultant, coach. Yeah, a a lot of hats (laughs) for, um, yeah, for basically for the hospitality industry there in, in Tanzania.
0: I think it's really interesting because you know like you said um not many people or or some people i I certainly resonate with not knowing really what i want to do and i've always said i don't really know what i want to do when i grow up and i still haven't grown up and i've just sort of (laughs) fallen into lots of things and you said there sort of you didn't want to go into an office but sort of as things happen you then spend 17 years in in the office and you're then at that stage where you've maybe gone back to that love of travel and doing other things so what was it that sort of spurred you to to really make that move in 2018 and and take that leap that maybe lots of our listeners are thinking i'd love to do something like that but i'm scared or i I don't want to do it so so what led you to that point
1: yeah it was quite scary and actually it took it took a while i think you know it sort of kicked off in already back in I guess 2014, i had some uh, big changes to my personal life in terms of a a um, long-term relationship ending. Um, And with that was sort of the, my future plans. We'd been together for almost 10 years. And so my future plans were all of a sudden, you know, oh, I don't know what to do now. (laughs) So um, I actually got a life coach and it was the best decision I've ever made. Absolutely, you know, I never really had thought about it. I'd never heard of anybody having a life coach, and it was just I felt I needed some help to really guide me and to do my um, self discovery. And uh, since I am a procrastinator, it took me from two thousand fourteen exactly. to two thousand eighteen to actually do something about it. I'm an incredible procrastinator and planner, and and and. A, you know i call myself risk averse which people you know don't really believe when i tell them what i do um but i think that's why it took so long and you know that that relationship with my life coach really you know gave me the opportunity to find or define my purpose i guess to to really define what why am i on this earth what am i actually here for and how could i live in a way that makes me happy um and, you know, it was and that's when I started reflecting on how I ended up doing the work that I was doing in learning and development and, and really realizing that was my purpose. That had to be more than. Um, and I reflected back on a, you know, just when I was, a, I don't know, 10, 11 and I was sitting there at the, at the table um, at the kitchen table looking at my, my dad was a teacher and he was um, marking uh, like essays and tests or whatever. And I found it incredibly intriguing and I was all like, I'm gonna be a teacher. I wanted to be a teacher already from when I was, I was not even a teenager yet. Um, then actually when I became sort of an older teenager, I, I started coaching little kids in badminton and I realized that I have absolutely zero patience with kids so I, <laughs> I, uh, had, I sort of said, okay, yeah, no, I'm not gonna be a teacher. Um, But obviously I've come full circle and I have become a teacher just for adults instead Um, but I think that is when you really understand your values and, and purposes when it's something that has always been within you the whole time ever since you were you know little so yeah I guess that's what sparked it.
0: I think it's really interesting you've gone back to that value and purpose and you know sometimes those things You know even if we don't have a plan i think we'd get drawn to the things that are innate in us and that make us happy and give us passion and energy you made that you know from 2014 to 18 you finally made that big leap so so what is it you're doing in tanzania
1: yeah it's it's a it's a mixed bag um i i went there with nothing you know i had no no work no no leads no nothing um, I had actually spent some time in Tanzania in 2016 and 17. I'd taken a six-month sabbatical at that time uh, from IHG um, and travelled around Africa, um, you know, as part of my self-discovery journey. But oh, there it was again. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I obviously knew a few people there. I knew the culture um but i had I had no business leads, and I was going there with you know a plan of of such and a goal of such like a bit of a dream i guess there was there was not so much of a plan um and um yeah, it just turned out that um I've been lucky to meet some really inspirational people there. Who have embraced the same kind of thing that I want. So I've been working with, you know, um, luxury lodges, which I still do actually. It's a, a three, three years in now in the in the work that I've been doing for these luxury lodges in the Serengeti, and you know, working with um, their middle management, so the Tanzanian talent, to elevate them to senior management. You know, um, which takes time. You know most senior managers in the hospitality industry in Tanzania are expats. And, um, you know, what I wanted to try and achieve together with others is to to get more of the uh, Tanzanian talent to um, be able to run these establishments so they'll be less dependent on on expats' um, influence and involvement. Um, So that's part of what I do. Um, I also work with smaller hotels Tanzanian owned um which is very important to me um that I try and help the, the establishments who are not actually owned by Tanzanians and I do a lot of it's not really free work because <laughs> they do actually give me a room and some food and some wine. Um, <laughs> but um <laughs> Uh, yeah, otherwise it is free, you know, sort of a mutual benefit of, of me helping them with some training, some consultancy, and um, it's incredibly rewarding. Um, I In 2019, I also did some teaching in Zanzibar, it's for an NGO, so that was total volunteer work, um, which was really interesting, taking um, young people who... I had no real education um, and trying to get them into hospitality that was really starting from from scratch you know they'd never seen a champagne glass before didn't know that wine was made from grapes and you know never used cutlery themselves so you know that was um back to basics and um, which was also really an interesting um project so yeah it's a bit of a mixed bag um And I'm actually, yeah, heading there in in three weeks back to Tanzania. I've had a bit of a break here in Europe, but uh, I'm looking forward to starting a new contract out there in Zanzibar um, for a beautiful hotel out there for some uh, heads of departments training. So that's my next my next little project.
0: Well, it sounds like a, you know, really nice mixed bag, some sort of pro bono work, a bit of barter so that you can get some wine and and (laughs) shelter for some of your work and then some, obviously paid work along the way yeah you mentioned earlier on that you hadn't really learned or you know sort of stopped learning in your corporate career so what have you learned on your in your time in Tanzania and and working in that environment
1: yeah wow it is an incredible learning actually I should call it my learning journey that's what I should call it Um, (laughs)
0: um
1: it has been an incredible learning curve actually for me you know it's um also because of the people that I meet, you know, there are some really, whether they are Tanzanians or expats, you know, when you're around on your travels, you meet some incredibly interesting people. So basically, you know, working, th- yes, yeah, so of course, learning through my work, but also really um, learning through the people that I meet, you know, it's incredibly inspiring people. Um, but I think my biggest learning probably have been around the culture, you know, that's an ever- uh giving learning curve um because it's it's such a very very different culture to my own and and um and you know really the difference that it makes when you um have to have a, a relationship a teacher student relationship of sorts um with someone from another culture it's it's very different
0: so you're going back in in three weeks to zanzibar you've yeah. got your next project lined up so tell us a bit about that. What you'll be working on?
1: Well, yes, <laughs> it is still in the planning stages. You know, nothing gets done if it's not last minute. Um, <laughs> so, um, but it's yeah, it's a. Uh, I think there's. So I'm not sure of the numbers yet. Between 18 and 25 people, uh, heads of departments there in the in the hotel. Who, uh, yeah, we're going to be doing some different workshops. Um, on management skills, uh, leadership skills, emotional intelligence um, and there's a mixture there of expats and Tanzanians that I'll be working with which is also going to be really interesting because you're going to have different different cultures as well in in one classroom Um, so that will be a new challenge for me um, but also a very exciting one. so, yeah, we'll be doing those workshops and I'll be doing observations and feedback with them as well. Um, you know, helping them also to uh, work on their succession plan, um, which is something that um, is lacking a little bit in the, in the Tanzanian sort of HR world. Um, actually, in Tanzania, if you go in and do an HR or anything to do with human resources education, there is never any learning and development included, really. So a lot of the HR professionals that are there don't have any, you know, facilitation skills, learning needs analysis skills, nothing like that. So um, and have certainly never heard of a succession plan. So those are some of the things that I really do work very hard on with with the properties there to to try and get a bit more of a structure in terms of their uh, learning and development and, and, you know, the talent that they've got.
0: With some of your clients, you've you've built a, a long relationship, so you've been working with them three plus years, you've been helping those students develop. What have you seen in terms of growth and change in, in them and, and those approaches? Like you said, you're starting maybe from a very low base level, but you know, where are you getting to and where are you seeing that sort of growth with those more established clients?
1: Yeah, I guess the where I've spent my, most of my, my time uh, was in those luxury lodges and in the Serengeti um, since the beginning of 2019. Um, and I've been in and out there, in and out of the bush, as I say. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I've spent between four and six months each year um, working with, uh, now it's 14 individuals that I'm working with on a very intense basis. Um, and, uh, you know, when I first, started working with them, hardly any of them were even doing a to-do list, um, you know, their organizational skills, prioritization was something that they were not, you know, not really familiar with. They could do service, that is no problem. Service is sort of, I think, ingrained in the, in the Tanzanian culture. Um, they're incredibly friendly and and courteous people and, um, you know, so that sort of comes naturally to them. But it was all the stuff behind the scenes, as you as you know, you say, really, the people management stuff, the project management, all of that, you know, admin stuff, they don't learn it when they go um, and and study um, tourism, for example, or hospitality. Um, And I have seen an incredible growth in those areas, emotional intelligence as well. Um, And I guess, you know, this year has been an incredible success for them Um, and for me. You know, obviously, their success is my success. And um, yeah, eight out of the 14 people that I have, have been promoted this year, um, which I am super proud of them. They've put in so much work. They have allowed me to really, really push them hard, um, push them out of their comfort zones. Um, I think push them to a place that they didn't even believe they could get to. Um, And they have allowed me to do that with incredible care and and, and trusted me to, that even when I was tough with them, it was for their own good. so yeah, and actually one of them is is taking over an expat role, which obviously is the, the ultimate goal. So I'm super happy, yeah.
0: <laughs> so it sounds like you're starting to see the fruition of your endeavors and you're starting to see that, you know, that ability to elevate and, and free up that talent to be able to deliver, you know, reach their potential, all the other jargonistic things we could say that we <laughs> talk about yeah. in learning and development. If you go back to, thinking when you were in those office roles in london working across the role the world and now you're you know in a, a very different world with more more you know portfolio career you've got a bit of a plan for what you're doing in three weeks you're going out to do something very different are you closer to fulfilling that purpose and feeling happier in what you do
1: um oh, that's, a, that's a tough question um i, f- I feel i do yeah i definitely am um, am closer um, I'm not close enough, I guess. Uh, if I have to be quite critical, actually, I had a, a life coaching session this morning. You know, good coaches have have still have coaches as well, um, and uh, he actually also asked me, you know, where do you feel you are in terms of where you want to be? You know. Um, because you, know, you had frustrations along the way, um, for sure, um, and you know working in, in in Africa is is not a straightforward um, career <laughs> either. Um, but um, I do feel I've still got a, a way to go. I feel like I am definitely you know being able to, to to live within my values and within my purpose, probably not to the extent that I would like to um, yet um (laughs) but uh i think that's probably because my client base is quite small still you know there is only me so you know it's hard to really expand a business you know i'd have to spend time on on finding white people and i would certainly only hire tanzanians as well so you know that makes it even tougher (laughs) Mm -hmm. um so i think you know on a small scale I'm, i'm doing what i want to do um I have some other dreams, obviously bigger dreams that I want to, to get to. Um, you know, the same dreams that I had when I was when I left London in, in 2018. Um, you know, that was a three-year plan, which is now three years, and I'm probably still in my first year of that three year plan. So I'm just gonna have to make it a ten year plan, maybe, I don't know. Um, yeah, things just go a little bit slower than I had. Um envisage I guess but um I'm not unhappy with with the progress that I've made um but yeah hoping that I can speed things up a little bit over the next few years.
0: I can imagine that you know the last year and a half and Covid and the pandemic has put a bit of a dent in some of those plans and tourism and hospitality across the world have suffered so how's that been in Tanzania?
1: Oh well yeah um <laughs> actually it's it, i don't think it is has, has hurt me as a business as such apart from I had a couple of smaller contracts that I had to cancel um but my my big contract there in in the bush um i I kept and actually got to isolate there, which was um quite amazing so back in two thousand and twenty so yeah, that was last year last year um i was actually meant to go back for, to Denmark for Easter to to be uh, to have time with my family, um, but um, I had to make a decision at the time because uh, you know that was obviously when it, everything was just happening in Europe and in Tanzania everything was quite quiet still, and I decided to stay. They were incredibly uh, kind to me and and let me um, stay there. Obviously, they didn't pay me anything, um, but I got to stay there, and it was because it was in the bush. They were able to actually close it into a bubble, you know, and there were no people in or out, um, and so they closed everything down. And I got to isolate in a beautiful game reserve, you know, playing tennis. Uh, (laughs) swimming in the swimming pools for guests because there was no guests, you know, going on game drives to see the migration for the, the great migration for the very first time. Um, And I actually felt incredibly guilty when I was talking to my friends back in Europe who were just stuck in, like you, James, as well, you know, stuck in a flat in London. And, you know, I was feeling poor. I was feeling quite guilty, but incredibly lucky uh, as well. So, um, but now I think only now really the, Tanzania, of course, there hadn't been any tourists as such, um, so it has caused some upset there in terms of the um, the industry, of course. But it feels like they're coming back. You know, also where I've been working, you know, they've been hiring new people, and the amount of talent that is out there at the moment now, which is is a great time to to hire some of the talent that have been let go from other places, and um, but obviously not as many jobs to go around and um, for that talent so um yeah it, ha- it has obviously caused some upset there but um also some good opportunities for people so there's always the silver lining i find
0: <laughs> yeah th- and i think you have to work through whatever the challenges are and you know with you going in embarking in a new culture learning new things meeting new people finding your place and, and all of those things you're trying to work your way through that, as is everyone else trying to work their way through whatever comes next that we all face,
1: yeah, no absolutely and it, it it's a struggle for some people, um but um I do feel like I have had the opportunity to to still continue on what I was doing, um even if it's slower.
0: I'm sure some of the people listening to this will be you know thinking. That's an amazing story. I'd love to do that. I'd love to, you know, go to wherever in the world it is that connects with me where, you know, I'd mm-hmm. I'd love to start yeah. a new life or a new existence. And there'll be other people thinking, oh my God, that's far too scary. I couldn't do anything like that as well. Yeah. And then there'll be other people as well who are, you know, maybe working in global roles or working with people across the world who maybe haven't had that opportunity as you have to maybe immerse yourself in a in a different culture or you know people who are going you know shortly out to work in different cultures so what would be your tips and lessons you've learned about actually working with people who have very different backgrounds come from different cultures different value sets and and how could people learn some of the lessons that you've been through?
1: First of all just to your first part of what you were saying you know I do get a lot of people say to me oh wow I wish I could do that but of course I can't and I'm like why not <laughs> um I you know a lot of people tell me oh you've been incredibly brave um you know oh it takes such courage and of course you know it it does Um, but if that is really what you want to do you know it, it's not uh, there are risks with every decision that you take um but if that is really it, what you want to do. I, I do encourage people to to try and find their purpose and, and, and go for it, um, even if it is a little scary. My life coach at the time actually told, told me um, if your dreams don't scare you, then you're not dreaming big enough. So that's my little wise words that I'm passing on to other people. Um, but that was the, the beginning of it. Um, in terms of uh, lessons learned around culture, um, I'm still learning. Still learning on that. Um, I, I would say that it takes time, especially when the culture is this different. You know, yes, of course, when I went from Denmark to the UK, there was also a, a culture culture difference that I had to get used to. Not not in a work sense, but in a, in a personal sense. And you know that. But I guess the, the difference isn't isn't huge um, compared to you know Europe and and Africa. Um, and I think um, one of the things that surprised me the most at the time was how much the, the, the dynamics between black and white is very much like it was in colonial times, I imagine. Um, it was one of the things I'd really had to get used to in the beginning. It was actually when I was traveling in Uganda, I realized that, you know, they see me as someone who is better than them because I'm white. And that was a, a quite a big shock for me, um, because I absolutely didn't want them to see me like that. Um, I was, you know, standing in, in a queue for um, the cash machine. Yes, they have cash machines in Uganda, um, and, uh, and um, you know, it was a long queue. I didn't realise on on Mondays that everybody would get their whatever payment they get, and so anyway, there was a long queue, and I was standing, there and, and the security guard that was standing at the cash machine. You know, came to me and said, "Okay, you can go to the front of the queue." And I was horrified. And I was like, "Absolutely not!" And they said, "Oh, but well, you're busy. You're busy." And I said, "I'm no busier than anybody else. You know, and I'm no more important than anybody else." And it was actually a, a real eye opener for me. And and and, and trying to uh, navigate that kind of belief um, has been difficult. You know, it's still there. Uh, it's still there, and I still get stared at and you know all of a sudden becoming the minority has been um an interesting journey to be on because um obviously total opposite to to how it's been for me living in in europe um so yeah time it takes time that is my first lesson um and i'm still i'm still getting through it um as a in terms of learning and development as a, as a facilitator or a teacher or a coach, um, I, I just think that the most most important thing is to really understand their culture, understand the lives of the students that you have. Um, if you cannot relate to or empathize with their situations, you're not able to give them examples that you, you know that they can relate to um, when you're trying to you know teach them about emotional intelligence for example or to teach them about fairness Or, um, you know, there's so many things um, that, you know, I would use an example. I used to, before I started university, I was working in um, uh, Disneyland Paris. And I I didn't realise that, I just used it as an example once and they were like, huh, what's that? You know, they'd never even heard of Disney. You know, so you, you really have to adapt to very different, you know, examples that is relatable to the different culture. Um, and also with your instructions, when you're giving instructions, um, I found that was really challenging. You know, I was not in the beginning, I just wasn't able to get through what I wanted them to do. And I actually started using visuals um, a lot more um because that seemed to resonate better than my words. Um and of course, you know, you have to adapt your language a little bit. You know, I don't stop using difficult words, I just explain them. Because I feel like they should still learn the difficult words because their English is 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 great already. Um, so, yeah, I guess those are the, the biggest learnings. Oh, there was a funny story, actually. Um, I was giving examples. We were doing um, a little activity about um, strategic and operational uh, tasks. And so I wanted them to say, okay, you have to write down all your tasks that you do in a day. All right, one task per Post-it note. And then they started writing. You know, they were in groups that started writing. And uh, they were writing all of their tasks on one Post-it note. And I was like, no, no, no one task one post-it note and I then you know it took forever for you know and I actually had to show them in the end and it wasn't until that evening when I was in sitting with a couple of the students having dinner and I asked them what what was the problem you know what what was I doing wrong and uh, that's when I realized that post-it notes are incredibly expensive and they thought it was an absolute waste of money and post-it notes <laughs> to just write one task when you could actually have 10 tasks on one post-it note um so yeah just those kind of things um really triggers how you need to be mindful of um them living a very very different life yeah
0: I think it's been able to connect with people on value set and you know life experiences. as you said and that's not something you can pick up in a book or by reading from afar but you're immersing and you know, again, it, it's it's engaging with people and having that time, as you said in that anecdote, to be able to sit down with people and unpick why that was a challenge. And therefore you're able to understand it. Absolutely.
1: because quite often
0: we just see the presenting issue, don't we? You know, I'm saying something, they're not getting it, they're not following, but we don't get down to that level of really understanding where that connection is missing or what we need to change or adapt
1: yeah no absolutely it's so true and I actually I've had so so many self-doubt moments <laughs> when I was thinking oh geez I can't do this you know I'm obviously not capable but um but actually you know taking that time and I think you know I also when I'm not when I wasn't teaching or when it, you know and I traveled around Tanzania and actually you know I don't seek out expats you know, I seek out Tanzanians to to connect with, uh, to uh, get ideas from. And, um, you know, that has really helped me um, really immerse myself in the culture. Um, and they see that, you know, my language is my Swahili is still iffy. So um, <laughs> that's still something I'm working on. But they do see that you know i I think it's also building that trust because you are an outsider coming into you know a group of, of tanzanians you know and they you see you in a certain way um and for them to trust me um and i think that is probably my biggest success when i feel that i get that trust that they genuinely trust that I'm there for them, that I care about them and their development. I'm not just doing this to earn money. I'm not just doing this to, you know, further myself. You know, I really create an involved team spirit that we're all in it together. And and that, you know, when they are learning, I'm learning. I often say to them, you know, I probably I'm learning just as much as them, but just different, different stuff, you know. So... But I think that's the, the, the trust part. It takes time and I think it's important to get that because otherwise you're not going to get enough out of um, the group. Especially not me as, as, as a white person standing there in front of a white European even, you know, standing in front of a room where they sort of see that whatever I say is law as a way in the way that they Mm -hmm. did that in the beginning you know saying oh it doesn't matter what i say now they actually have the courage to challenge me saying hey actually no that's not the way it should be and they tell me off and they you know and it's just become a really you know amazing partnership i have with this with this group of people and um i'm looking forward to um repeating that in other in other companies as well
0: I think that, you know, there's some really valuable lessons from that. You know, I love travel myself because I think it pushes you. It tests your own value set. It tests what you think, how you perceive things, how you're perceived. But I think you can take that lesson even outside travel. That if you go into any new situation, you're coming with a perceived agenda. You know, you're coming with whatever baggage. And that may not be related to you, but how other people see you. And I think that building trust and taking the time to understand and connect with people is where you really make sustainable change, whether that's in learning, leadership, working in a team, whatever that happens to be. But yeah. I think you have to take that time and you have to put that time in and you need to be able to create those moments of conversation and connection where you can challenge you can explain you can question each other openly you can reflect back your views and opinions and and again you'll as you'll have seen in that sort of culture where you are where there is a disproportionate power balance perceived initially that will take some work so i think you know that that time must be amazing to have that quality of time to be able to build those relationships as well and get to that level
1: Yeah, taking the time to build that trust and connection is definitely something that I would always want to do. And also why I don't take engagements that are like two day workshops here and there. Um, It doesn't work. You know, I think from us, you know, from a learning and development standpoint, we know that it doesn't, you know, formal learning. Is great when it's part of a package of a blended learning approach you know whether it's 70 20 10 that you believe in all that kind of stuff but I think that it is for me the longer engagements are the most powerful um and and that's how I've built my business.
0: Bettina I think you know it's it's lovely to catch up thank you very much for for joining us on the podcast I'm sure there'll be lots of people who will be listening in and fascinated to hear what's going to happen next and the the rest of what you're going to be working on. So how can people best follow you or connect with you?
1: Probably the easiest is to find me on LinkedIn.
0: What we'll do is make sure that your LinkedIn connection is in the show notes below. And also, as you develop your business, we can add in the right website as you get (laughs) to that stage as well. Thank as i you. said it's been lovely to catch up and you know it'd be great to see you in person at some point soon so you know that might be in london that might be in denmark that might even be in tanzania I'll which come. would be amazing come i would love to, tanzania. to
1: come you know i'm um actually just at the end before we finish my dream is is to open a training hotel there so you can always come and do some teaching there for me hey <laughs>
0: uh yeah brilliant well I, you know Tell us more about that dream then. What does the teaching hotel look like?
1: Um, Well, obviously, it's going to be a working hotel um, and, you know, with real guests. But, you know, the idea is to to really develop, you know, people who cannot afford to take an education themselves. They'll come in. They'll work for free, of course, but they will also have accommodation. They'll have food and they will get basically you know educated um as long along the way and the training hotel is supposed to be a feeder into some of the more established lodges and resorts um, where they can be certain that they're going to get quality staff um because if they're taking straight from college they have to start retraining anyway so that's the idea to um try and give people who can't afford their own education into hospitality and to be sort of a uh, something to aspire to for other uh, education areas I guess in Tanzania saying okay well we need to focus on quality rather than quantity. Uh,
0: yeah. I, I love the thought of that I love the the premise behind it as well you know take being that bridge between that formal education the contextual experience and then being able to step into some really valuable careers so I think you know that's an amazing idea I'd love to come and be a test guest and I'll happily yeah. help out him <laughs> In whatever way I can with, you know, helping you in what you're trying to achieve there as well. So that sounds amazing. And hopefully on your three year plan, that's going to be not too many years away as well.
1: Yeah, I I hope so. I hope so. I'm trying to find a a Tanzanian partner at the moment. So that's what I'm working on um, because it is tough to do as, as as a foreigner um so yeah that's what I'm, I'm looking at at the moment so it could still take a couple of years but um yeah you'll be on the guest list
0: <laughs> brilliant look forward to it thank you Bettina <laughs> to right. speaking to you soon
1: yeah you too take care James thank you for listening to this episode of the learning reinvented podcast we hope you enjoyed it if you've not already done so please follow our podcast and if the learning effect can help you and your organization please do get in touch. You can find both James and Katie on LinkedIn and our contact details are in the show notes below.